In the Christian church, we often get accusations of being unloving. What this usually comes down to is not doing what someone else wants. They want to hear nice things that the Bible teaches, but not the hard truth. Even fellow Christians might get upset about this, because unfortunately, we have sinned ourselves. But the truth of the whole word of God that wounds you unto repentance is the most loving. Welcome to The Counting Room. One thing I want all my listeners to know about The Counting Room is that while I may be running this podcast from my basement by myself, that doesn't mean that you can't help. You can send me feedback, suggestions, things I can improve, things that you liked, subjects I can talk about, or maybe you're interested in being a guest. If you want to help me make this podcast better, you should email me at feedback.thecountingroom at gmail.com. Once again, that's feedback.thecountingroom at gmail.com. I enjoy making this content, and I enjoy talking about faith, politics, and everyday living. And I welcome any assistance in making this content more fruitful and more beneficial to my listeners. Please, take a moment and consider how you can help, and send me an email. Thanks. Yes, we must all wrestle with sin. And that includes us Christians who preach against sin. With this knowledge, I have to openly admit that while I am arrogant in my own sinful way, I do not think that I have a perfect faith. I am a sinner, and it requires daily doses of God's good grace to keep me from sin. And even then, I often fail. We are fallen in sin, and need God's grace. Therefore, we often fail at being loving. God grant us that we may grow to be more loving. With all that being out on the table, I'd like to talk a little more about love. Love means doing what is in a person's best interest. It's self-sacrificial and Christ-like. Remember that God loved the world so much that he gave his son to die for us, as in John 3:16-18. He also knew that some would reject him. Note, I referenced John 3, 16-18 the way I did because I feel that many people like John 3, 16, but they'd rather pretend that verse 18 doesn't exist. Oftentimes in this day and age, the church is accused of hate for speaking words of loving truth. It's said that we hate things that we don't understand. We do understand sin, which is why we lovingly speak the truth about it. It is a kindness to say, Hey, I see where this is going, and it doesn't lead to anything good. That is love. And we know that many will despise us for saying it. In truth, it would be far easier not to say it. It'd be far less painful. So why risk being hated? The answer is, so that we can speak the truth in love. It's the right thing to do. There's not enough love around here, 
we often say in our churches. I wonder if Peter thought that when Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Hey, Jesus, where's the love, man? We're all familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, but I think I'll make another parable for you. I'll call it the parable of you and your three good friends. One night you went to a party with your three good friends. It started out fun and innocent enough. There was music, girls, and of course, beer. Music is good, respect the women, and moderate the beer, and it should be a good time. However, a problem arises when you drink too much beer, and you start stumbling around. In slurred words, you're too forward with the girls, and get into some arguments with your fellow partygoers. Friend one thinks this is pretty funny and pours you some more beer. It's your choice, and he just wants you to have a good time. A short time later, you're now in an even more drunken state. You end up on the dance floor, falling over and bumping into everybody. Everyone is having a good laugh as you start to disrobe and dance on the table with a lampshade on your head. Friend number two shouts, We love you! and cheers you on. He's glad to see you let loose, and just glad you came to the party. At this point, you're still naked and you grab your car keys with every intent to drive. Friend one holds the door open for you, as friend two shouts, We love you! Let it all hang out! from behind. They're so supportive. The moment you step outside, friend three, who's a strong, sturdy fellow, steps into your path. I'll drive, he says firmly. We don't want to hurt his feelings, says friend one, and friend two shouts, Leave him alone. Who are we to condemn him? With this encouragement, you decide to push past friend three, who follows you to your car, and after a struggle, punches you in the mouth with what we'll call the fist of truth. The second you hit the ground, he wraps you in a blanket and tosses you into the back seat. He drives you home, leaving the other two in the dust. At home, after running your head under cold water, he roughly tosses you into your bed. Who of these three friends is your true friend? Listen up and listen well. The three friends are three styles of gospel teaching. And you are man, drunk on the poison of sin. Choose your friend wisely. Love isn't telling a person what they want to hear, or what will make them feel good. Love is doing what God did when he relentlessly pursued his flock, even sending his son to suffer, so that we might be delivered from sin and set free in the truth the gospel. I've been accused of being unloving and sharing a false gospel, but I would counter that the truth of the gospel often doesn't land like the soft lilting of words of affirmation that makes our heart go pitter-patter in our chest. Sometimes it hits us like the fist of truth that sobers us up and gets us to safety. The gospel should drive the sin far from us. Purveyors of a false gospel will cheer us on as we make fools of ourselves and debase ourselves. So we must seek out that strong, sturdy friend that preaches the truth of God's word. We must seek out that church.
How do we know if the church is speaking the truth? Well, that church will open their Bibles and read more than a couple verses. It will shine the light of truth through God's word. It will probably be uncomfortable from time to time. I'm certain that there was a time or two when people wished that Jesus would show more restraint, was more winsome. I'm sure many wished he wouldn't call people vipers out in public. Jesus loved passionately, and that is why he spoke with 150 proof truth to the Pharisees and the common man alike. So what does this all mean? Does it mean that we can now be angry and cruel? Does it mean that we must find every single sinner and hold them accountable? Does it mean that we must shame each other for not loving one another? No, it doesn't mean any of that. What it means is that our words must be on point. Our words and actions must be motivated by love, not seeking to debase or shame others, but drive out the shame, dress them again in righteousness, and bring them to safety. Far too often, we twist the gospel, use it for malice and revenge. Maybe we use it to build ourselves up and throw others down. I see this all the time on social media when people try to get another shot in. Much to my regret, I've been guilty of that too. But the gospel isn't something that we use to quote single, isolated verses to beat our brothers down in an argument. The gospel is a single, unified truth declaring Jesus as King. The truth of the gospel is tough, unrelenting love. But it's still love. It's the truth, and it needs to be heard by all. But in order to keep the sword of the word sharp, we must be cautious not to blunt it against rocks, trees, or in unnecessary attacks on our fellow Christians. That sword is for a purpose, and to maintain it, we should use it with fear and trembling. When we use it spitefully and argumentatively, we are making a mockery of our faith in front of the heathen. To conclude the matter, love is a multifaceted thing. It does not lie to keep peace. It does not affirm lies to make you feel good. It also doesn't keep a running tab of every wrong. It will put the barbed and bitter words aside in exchange for loving truth. Jesus never backed down from the truth, but he also said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is because the gospel has the strength to tell the truth, be crucified for it, and get up and tell the truth again. As friend 3 showed us, love might come crashing into our jaw, cover our nakedness, and toss us into bed. He will be there, ready to discuss it in the morning over breakfast. Your jaw will hurt, you'll be ashamed. But in the end, you know which friend you need. He risked losing you in order to save you. But those who want to use you will give you lies that affirm you. Friend 3 is the true friend who cared. He doesn't want to see you ashamed or debased. He wants to see you stand tall on your feet again. Don't push that friend away. Embrace him. Embrace that true friend. He is the one that loves you. I'm Joel Edgar. 
Thanks for listening, and God bless.